Hey everybody, welcome to Journey of the Roadrunner. This is Paul here. It's going to be a special episode. Is uh, I have a, a friend as a guest today who used to work together years ago, and I just found out that he's going to be running the Boston Marathon this year. And this is going to be his seventh marathon, but first Boston Marathon. So I'd like to introduce you to Chris Marino. Hey, Chris. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So you've done six marathons. Is that right before? Yeah. So it's interesting, right? With COVID, I actually include included two uh, virtual marathons that I did uh, during COVID. But prior to that, yeah, I did four uh, actual, you know, race marathons. Um, I've actually done uh, the Vermont City Marathon up in Burlington, Vermont, um, three times. The first time I did was back in 2005 uh, with my with my wife. We just got married and we did that run together. Uh, we got married a couple months before that marathon back in 2005. And then we've had we had a couple boys, uh, and then life sort of got in the way, and I didn't do another marathon until again until 2015. So basically, 10 years later, I went back up and did uh, the Vermont City Marathon again uh, because in between that time. Of the first marathon and the second one we had moved back to, or we moved to massachusetts uh from burlington vermont so okay uh, we've had a couple kids you know and life sort of got in the way and then i did the vermont city marathon again in 2015 and i did it again in 2016 uh and then in 2018 i did a marathon in um, my hometown of nashua new hampshire uh, the gate city marathon and then, yeah, and then I did two uh, virtuals um, after that during during COVID times. So yeah, so that's six, and Boston on Monday will be my seven. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah, I caught the virtual ones. That's still a marathon. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, uh, how did you get started running? You, um, as far as I know, you, you started. We were. It's been, we were just talking about this. It's been 20 years since we worked together. We, we had you already started running by then? I was a, so, like around that time. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was uh, in my, I like to say my very late 20s. Uh, I'd say I was probably 28 when I start, when I actually started running. Um, you know, piecing together a mile here or a mile there. And, you know, my strongest memories of that, uh, of that time and, and starting with the running is um, how I just wanted to quit every step because <laughs> I'm sure people uh, that have taken running up, uh, you know, have those same thoughts. And I just, those are, I had very distinct thoughts of, of wanting to quit every step. And you know, for whatever reason, I just, I didn't, I just, I kept at it. And so really when I was late, you know, like 28 was really when I started. Um, what, what made you decide to get started? Uh, yeah, you know, I am, uh, you know, I, I was an, I was a baseball player and athlete in, in high school. And, you know, after, after that, you know, life sort of, you start working and kind of, mm -hmm. you know, get into the routine of that. And, um, I was, I was a gym goer, but I wasn't really much of a, you know, I would do like a stair climb or, you know, elliptical machine, but I wasn't really, I wasn't a treadmill person then. Um, 
can go to the gym and do some weights and that sort of thing. Really just sort of maintenance, you know, try yeah. to stay healthy. And I just, for whatever reason, where I was living at the time, I was seeing a lot of uh, people out running. And and for whatever reason, I thought, okay, this is something I actually want to try. And I, I, you know, I don't really have any sort of, you know, definitive reason as to why. I just, it was something that looked interesting enough to me to, to want to try. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's really how I started. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, I, got motivated seeing other runners and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 really it. I mean, I I do remember going to the gym, you know, and, and seeing people on the treadmill, and thinking, God, that just does not look fun, fun at all. <laughs> fun, and I'll tolerate the treadmill occasionally now, but I still have the same feelings. Like the treadmill is just not anything that I I, I want to do. I, I try to. We have a treadmill at home that I really try to avoid, like the plague. <laughs> yeah, but it's really worst case scenario. You know, if the weather is just intolerable, but even then, I'll still go out and try to run. It's really if the roads are, you know, six feet of snow, right? Run, but otherwise, I don't care how cold it is. I, you know, any of that stuff. I've actually gone for a run with goggles, ski goggles on before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like it, I was gonna say, if you if you dress right, then yeah, it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, I prefer outside yeah, too yeah. than treadmill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and so you know, one thing I'll also add, and where really the marathon bug uh, came from for me, and when I really sort of kicked into running a little bit more, was was uh, right around that time. I'd say about a, I'd say about a year after I started running, I was. I was at the base of Heartbreak Hill on, on Marathon Monday. And, uh, you know, I, for whatever reason, was incredibly inspired by um, what I was seeing. I bet. You know, I was just one of those people that was, couldn't believe that people were doing this, you know, doing all these miles. And uh, so I just, I actually, and this is a true story, um, I, I vowed to myself that day that I, I would run Boston. And at that point, like I said, I was maybe doing two or three miles at a time, you know, no distance at all of any sort up to that point. But I, I, I was so inspired that I was like, I'm going to do that. And it was pretty much exactly 20 years ago, which is, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like, yeah, yeah after a lot of, um, people that top rate kill watching and stuff that that energy of everybody around that must really be inspiring that probably kind of helped you know the other thing too that i can really pinpoint about that about that day in particular for me was realizing that you know you don't have to be you know a super athlete Mm -hmm. you really don't you just need the determination and the motivation i mean i'm by no means a super athlete um you know, but I distinctly remember that day thinking, wow, these are just sort of regular people, you know, that that don't look the way that I thought marathon runners would look. I mean, they looked like they weren't having, you know, the greatest time. It looked like they were you know, really determined. And, you know, as you can imagine when you're at mile 20 to 21, but um, yeah, it was just incredibly inspiring to me to see you know, just what I would call regular, 
regular folks, just regular people uh, doing this thing that just really, really inspired me. Right, yeah, because like when you see on TV, it's always the elite athletes that you see and all that. So then, like when you're there in person, you see all everybody else. So yeah, it, yeah, it makes you feel like you could do it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. You're right because you put on the Olympics, all you see are the, the the most elite runners. You never see, you know, the guy that's working 50 hours a week and has a family, and or or the woman who you know works 50 hours a week and you know, is trying to, you know, they're not dedicating their life to running. It's something that they're passionate about and they enjoy doing, but it's really setting that goal and, and, and working towards it, you know, and that's, that was just one of the things that was really appealing to me. It continues to be, and that's one of the things with, that I found with training for marathons is I really appreciate the, the sort of plan itself, you know, mm-hmm. knowing you're going to be doing every day, every week, um, you know, it, it, that for me is, is, um, something that I really enjoy, you know, setting that goal and achieving it. It's almost like a weekly sort of achievement. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Yep. Yeah. I, I found a couple other things that you've done. Um, uh, what is this that you ran, um, through, was it 345 streets in Grafton? <laughs> Yeah, so that's an interesting story. So I did that in the summer of uh, 2020. So basically, COVID. Are, yeah, yeah, it's exactly right. So and it, uh, originally, I, uh, I was going to run Boston in April of 2020. So beginning in January of 2020, I started training with the intent of running uh, the Boston Marathon that April. And then of course March came, COVID hit, yeah. and pretty soon after that they, you know, they canceled the April marathon. And at that point, I was 12 plus weeks into the training cycle um, for uh, for that April marathon. And then they said it's going to be postponed until September. And so I was thinking to myself, holy cow, like. I've got to, just what we were talking about a minute ago, following that training plan, Mm -hmm. I sort of go back and do this all over again, you know? Um, And I remember thinking that's going to be an uphill climb, you know, repeating essentially what I had just spent 12 weeks doing, plus the heat, um, doing it through the summer. So I thought, okay, well, what can I do to sort of make this interesting? And so one day I was out on a run was by myself and I uh, I run out my front door um, every day and so I don't really drive anywhere to run so I do the same sort of left down the street right down the street and then do whatever whatever streets uh, going left or right need to so it's basically the same 10 or 12 streets I've been doing for 10 years mm-hmm. and yeah so one day I was out I'm like well I want to do something different how can I make this interesting i'm going to go through this training cycle again how can i make it interesting and i had the idea that i wonder if i could run every street in my town and so that run i spent the remainder of it sort of daydreaming what that might be like how i might accomplish that um and came home and immediately got in front of the computer and i went to the town website and i was looking at ways that okay can i print a list of the streets and use maybe excel to 
you know, figure that out and map runs. And, and then they found this great website um, called City Strides. And it's a website that this, this person developed for people like me who had the same idea. So it turns out I wasn't the only person that had, had this idea. Um, and so, yeah, so City Strides actually made it very, very easy. They, uh, they have a, a way to, they utilize the data from your watch, um, just like, you know, um, Garmin or Strava will. So you, it, it takes the input from your run and it basically uh, does the map for you. It, it, it knows how many streets there are in a certain town mm-hmm. and then it just traces all the streets that you've done. And what was interesting about that is you have to do like 97 to 98% of the street in order to get credit for it. So you can't just step on Main Street and run. Just walk, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you can't say, (laughs) I've been on Main Street for 100 yards and it's a five mile street, count it. No, you have to do, you know, 97, 98% of that five mile street to get credit for it. Mm -hmm. So so that was interesting and, so yeah, so what ended up happening was I utilized um, a couple different websites to to map out runs. So I had to be I had to be sort of strategic about it, you know. So for the longer runs that I did, I would actually spend some time mapping out, you know, because I'd want to hit as many streets as I could and cover as many streets as I could. So I spent a lot of time mapping out uh, those runs, and got lost a few times and got turned around and we're on roads that aren't actually roads (laughs) found out that the town that i live in grafton massachusetts uh is is incredibly hilly i I knew that it was hilly but i didn't quite realize how very hilly it was Mm -hmm. i I discovered there's a lot of streets that are one there's um dead ends so in order to cover those you've got to go to one end and to get credit and then the only way out is to to do what you just did so it being quite a bit of running um and yeah so i it took me you know i i there was no time goal i wasn't uh, set out to do it you know in two months mm-hmm. or anything like that it was just when i do it i when i finish i finish and and i did so um yeah so i was able to to, to do that do you have any idea how many miles it was no you know i didn't keep track of that uh, that would have been a whole. Unfortunately, City Strides doesn't doesn't do that. Do the mileage, okay. I didn't I didn't do any sort of calculation on that. It was a lot though. Like I said, I mean, just just to do just to do the out and backs. I mean, that really adds up pretty quickly and can be mm-hmm. logically challenging, especially you know when you want to do as many as you can on a run and you know you're having to double back on roads. That can be pretty cha- that that was pretty challenging psychologically uh, to do that because um, I wanted to be as efficient as I could because I knew that there was a lot to it. Um, but yeah, got it got it done. And uh, like I said, it's as it turns out, I'm not the only one. People have done this all over the world. There's there's people on this website. I mean, there's people that have done it in San Francisco, which is incredible. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's really hilly. Yeah, <laughs> I used to the live hills, over there. Yeah. The, yeah the, <laughs> the really short streets and there's so many of them. You look at their maps and it's just incredible. The detail compared to what Grafton, my Grafton map looks like. 
up in farmland compared to <laughs> right yeah that's so um, unique though i love that yeah yeah and, and then you did another unique challenge i loved i, I saw when you did this you did the was it david goggins idea is all for you did four miles every four hours for 48 hours <laughs> yeah so that was this past march um and uh yeah that was uh that was again because um well just take a quick step back so i did the the all the streets in my town in the summer of 2020 mm-hmm. and then that september the boston marathon which would have been an in-person marathon ended up being a virtual marathon so i ended up doing that virtually in my hometown uh, excuse me in my in grafton um not not my hometown where i'm from but in grafton mm-hmm. so that was september 2020 and then again started training for boston thinking there was going to be a boston I think they canceled that one pretty soon in April. So there wasn't that sort of thing of doing all the training and then having it be canceled. But so anyway, so yeah, so in the winter of 2021, so early in 2021, uh, actually might have been the late fall of 2020, I saw that David Goggins, like on his social media, I saw that he he does this thing every year for for himself. He's been doing it for, uh, I think, 10 years or something. Uh, and he sort of made it a public event where people can use it to fundraise or do different things. And uh, so, so yeah, so we, um, you know, we were looking for a, a sort of fundraising opportunity. I think we'll talk a little bit about, you know, why I'm doing these running things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I found that uh, this, that four by four by 48, and I thought, oh, that could be really interesting. Uh, so yeah, so I did that uh, in March, early March. Um, which I think about that now, like that's a bit of a gamble to do in March here because it's still winter. I did it over the weekend of March 7th. And uh, it was also interesting because of, because of COVID, we were really in the heights of COVID then. Yeah. People weren't, you know, comfortable necessarily. I wasn't comfortable going out in with a, even one person. Like I have a running, a really good buddy who I think we'll talk a little bit about, um, my neighbor who we do all, basically all our long runs together and things. And, and um, but we couldn't even do the four by four by 48 together. We did a couple of them with maps, mass on, but um, you know, so basically I did, I, I, you know, I did this thing where it was just like, it sounds like it's, it was four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So I ended up doing, I added a bit to it to get it over to 50 miles. So I ended up getting over 50 miles. Wow. And, um, yeah. So that was interesting because, you know, you can imagine however long a four mile run takes. It would take me less than an hour, maybe 45, 35 to 45 minutes, depending. And then I would have, let's say, three hours to get ready for the next one, whether that was, you know, just sitting on the couch if it was during the day or at night sleeping yeah power nap <laughs> yeah yeah so it was it was that was the most challenging aspect of that was knowing that after each run four hours later i was going to go out and do it again uh so it's basically 12 it was 12 runs uh during that 48 hour period and you know, if you do the math, you know, if I started at four o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, I didn't finish until my last run, I think was at noon on Sunday. So that included a couple midnights, a couple 4am runs, 
you know, when it's pitch black and freezing cold out. Yeah, in March, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a few folks um, join me, but like I said, with COVID, um, there was a couple of surprises. Like one of the 4 a.m.s, I had some neighbors um, who were at the end of my driver waiting for me. And like I said, my buddy, um, Ah, ran a few of them with me. Um, but it was, it was just because of the whole COVID thing. I don't think everyone was super comfortable sort of running close together. Um, we did it all with masks and everything, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this was like just when the vaccines were just starting to come out. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about the charity now and the, you know, you can talk about Augie and then we'll get into the marathon. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Because, um, yeah, go ahead. You could talk about the charity because I had never heard of yeah. this before. So I think yeah. it's important. Yeah. Happy to. So, yeah. So back in um, late 2018, early 2019, uh, my wife, Katie, and I, our youngest son, Braden, who's now 13, he wasn't, he wasn't doing great. He wasn't feeling well. Um, we thought initially that he had... Um, some type of anxiety disorder or maybe depression. Um, he was uh, 10 years old at the time. And up until that point, you know, loved going to school and, you know, was very active. He was involved in gymnastics, uh, basketball, skied. And he just hit a point where he just would get up in the morning and complain about not having any energy, not feeling well, couldn't go to school. And so we had him seeing a couple therapists and things, and we were trying to get to the bottom of what might be going on. And towards at the very beginning of 2019, he uh, got very, very sick. Um, was home from school for a few days and wake up in the morning and vomit. Uh, one time it would lay on the couch, very lethargic uh, all day. And after a couple of days of that, my wife, Katie said, I need, I'm gonna bring him to the doctor. So she brought him to his, to our P or excuse me, to his pediatrician. And she took one look at him and said, he's got to go to the ER. He just doesn't look healthy. So uh, my wife took him to the ER and they checked him in, um, started him on IV fluids. And pretty soon after uh, they, they determined that he had what's called um, adrenal insufficiency. And essentially what that means is for people that are listening, because I didn't know what it was. is that his adrenal glands do not produce um, cortisol. So our bodies, uh, when you have a properly functioning, um, when you have properly functioning adrenal glands, when you're in a stressful situation, whether that's you know emotional stress or physical stress, your body will naturally produce cortisol that will essentially settle your you know your blood pressure and your things. So it'll just regulate itself, so you don't re- you don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, but when you your body doesn't produce that, everything is very um, challenging. You know, any type of stressful situation. Mm-hmm. So that explains some of the, um, you know, some of the things we were seeing previous to that, where we thought he had, we thought he was had anxiety. It was really his body was not dealing well with any type of stress. He just was basically having an adrenal crisis, is what they call it. Uh-huh. So yeah. So on the one hand, that was. Okay, well, he's got this thing. He'll need to be on medication. We're sort of coming to terms with that. Um, they kept him in the hospital for, for three or four days. Um, and we started learning about adrenal insufficiency. And at the same time, they said to us, we're also going to test him for this other thing. 
and it had a really long, uh, complicated name. Uh, neither my wife Katie or I had ever heard of it. The doctors at UMass essentially said to us that it's so rare that I wouldn't even worry about it. Um, we think he's just got adrenal insufficiency. He'll be on medication for that. So we, you know, we brought him home. The test for that other thing, which I'll I'll tell you what it is in, in half a second, but the test for that other thing takes a couple of weeks to get back. It's not an immediate test, so it takes a couple of weeks. Okay. My wife uh, looked it up. She Googled it, and she, she and said to me, do not Google it. Like, don't look at it. And I said, why? And she said, you just don't want to, you don't want to know. So I said, okay. And I did that because we were sort of still relying on the fact that the doctor said there's such a low chance that he, that he has this thing that it may not even be a possibility. So, so two weeks, so we get him home, he's doing better. He's on new medications on um, a couple of different steroids for the adrenal insufficiency. It's helping him. He's healthier. He's got more energy. Um, he's like a different person. So that was a bit of a miracle. A couple of weeks after we got him home, we're settling into that new normal. We received a test back um, for this thing called uh, adrenal, adrenal leukodystrophy, um, otherwise known as ALD, adrenal leukodystrophy. So that test came back positive. And of course, we were immediately... Um, you know, in, in shock, terror, uh, my wife was because she agreed with it. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, at that point, he had already been connected with an endocrinologist at Boston Children's Hospital who was managing his adrenal insufficiency. She had said, let's have a second test done. Let's just make sure that it is in fact positive. You know, when he's in the hospital, they pump him with all kinds of fluids and different things that could set things off and it could create a false false positive. Um, so we had another test done, waited another couple of weeks. And that one also came back positive. At that point, I had looked it up. And when you first Google ALD or adrenal leukodystrophy, um, the first thing you see is that um, children, boys typically that are diagnosed at a very uh, young age, typically within um, two years end up in a um, a vegetative state and then end up uh, passing away. Uh, there was a movie made in the 90s with Nick Nolte and Susan Sarandon called Lorenzo's Oil. Okay, and yep. Those that are listening are familiar with that movie. That movie is about a, a young boy who has adrenal leukodystrophy. Um, and it's all about, you know, the family. There's no treatment. Um, and it was about the family you know, coming up with this, this oil is named after this little boy um, for a way to treat this, this disease. So, um, so of course, the day that we received that second diagnosis, we were completely devastated. Uh, we were crying, we were on the couch. We got the kids off to school, it was like a Tuesday morning. Um, and we were frankly in shock. We didn't know what, what our lives were gonna be like. At that point, you know, leading up to that point, you know, uh, Braden, who again was 10 years old at the time. Uh, he had he has a an older brother um, named Ryan, uh, who was two years older. And up until that point, we were a very happy-go-lucky family. You know, we were just a typical family with two young boys. You know, um, 
active, all that sort of sports, all kinds of, you know, just the, just a typical family. And uh, so of course, when we were sitting on the couch that morning, we were picturing what Braden's future might be like with what little information that we had. So that's really the key is at that point, we, we had very little information. The information that we did have was devastating. And we connected with a neighbor, our great friends, uh, my running buddy's wife, um, um, we can talk about that too, but, um, so his name is Augie, uh, and his Octavia, Octavia, excuse me, um, his nickname is Augie and his wife, Jess, and, um, they also have a son with a, with a rare disease, um, not, not what Braden has, but they have a son with a rare disease. And, uh, so Katie, my wife, Katie, you know, let Jess know that Braden did test positive for this and, and, um. Jess said, I found this website called ALD Connect. I think you should email them. And so my wife emailed ALD Connect and said, you know, we, our son was just diagnosed with this. We don't know what to do. And literally within 10 minutes, our phone rang, or her phone rang. And it was this doctor. Um, his name is Dr. Florian Eichler. He's a neurologist at Mass General Hospital. He literally called us within 10 minutes of that email. So this is wow. the more of that sort of second diagnosis when we were completely devastated. And he said to us, you know, what you see online is not everybody's story. This is not a death sentence. Because that's what we thought it was going to be for Brady. We thought he's got two years of life left and that's it. And so. So that was our first communication, our first connection with Dr. Eichler. Um, it changed our world, you know, it changed our mindset. Um, he reset our thinking. He said, what we need to do is we need to get Braden into Mass General uh, as soon as we can, like today, like this week, and we need to get uh, an MRI of his brain. And uh, the reason they do that is, and this is, this is where the real devastating um, piece of the, of the disease comes from is there can be a cerebral component to it uh -huh. where the brain develops lesions um, and there's all kinds of technical terms for it that I, I've since learned that I didn't, you know, when we were going through this, but, um, and so they immediately want to see if there's any lesions on their brain. And the reason they want to do that is if there are, God forbid, they can actually do either a stem cell transplant or a bone marrow transplant, which obviously has its own, you know, repercussions and challenges, but it can halt the progression of the disease. It can't reverse or change any damage that's been done, but it can halt it. So we, that week we went to Mass General, we had the MRI done. Um, we met with Dr. Eichler immediately after the MRI and he got, the two words that are really in the adrenal loop of the strippy community are really the most desired words after an MRI and it's it's all clear, which means the MRI came back all clear. There are no lesions on his brain. Okay. So fortunately for Braden, he did not and continues to not have any cerebral activity um, with this disease. So for him, the way his disease presents is the adrenal insufficiency. Adrenal insufficiency is also, they call it a phenotype, is a phenotype of adrenal leukodystrophy. So he's got adrenal insufficiency. Um, 
So he has MRIs. He had MRIs every six months up until this past year. He's now going to move to annual MRIs. Uh, fortunately, um, his have all come back all clear, like I said. And uh, so, yeah, so at this point, he's really, you know, other than taking daily medication, having to be monitored for that, he's really doing great. He's like, I don't want to say best case scenario, but he is, you know, he is, um, he's got the outcome that you would really want to have with this horrific disease because, you know, we've since met many families um, who, you know, have not had the same outcome as us. Mm -hmm. We've met countless families, not countless, I shouldn't say that. We've met many, many families uh, who have lost children or have children who are in real debilitated states. They've had, um, you know, there's been cerebral activity. Um, sometimes it's caught too late and they can't do anything to help the child. So that's where they end up in the in that real deteriorating state to the point where they pass away. We've also met families who have had bone marrow, bone marrow stem cell transplants that it's halted the progression, but there's been some damage done to, the, to their brains. So there might be hearing loss or sight loss, um, some neurological, other neurological issues. Um, we've also met families that have had bone marrow transplants, stem cell transplants with success. So the kids have continued on into teenage years and beyond and are doing very, very well. So there's a whole gamut, this runs a whole sort of gamut, but the reason Dr. Eicher was so important was getting back to when we were Googling it, you know, the first thing you see is, you know, vegetative dead within two years. And that's what you see online. And Dr. Eicher was really the one that reset that for us. So, so yeah, so that's, that's basically Braden's sort of history with it. And like I said, that was in early 2019. So February, 2019. Okay. Um, Progressing through 2019, you know, obviously we were educating ourselves on adrenal insufficiency as well as adrenal leukodystrophy. We had the MRI done in February, we had another one done in November. We attended our first conference. Again, this is pre-COVID, so it's like November 2019. We attended our first conference, um, ALD Connect conference. We met a bunch of families. We were super inspired by the families that we met. And we emerged from that determined that we were no longer going to sit back on our hands. We were actually going to get active. Um, and that's when we decided in early 2020 to start fundraising. Awesome. So that's really how that started. Yeah, I think it's so important too because, like, to bring attention to it because it's a rare disease and a lot. If it gets caught too late, then you know, that's it. So yeah, so it's important yeah. to you know get the word out about this because there could be a lot of misdiagnosis and everything. It's very so, true. It's very, very true. And but that getting back to, you know, again, the fundraising piece and what we're what we're trying to do now is we're so focused on raising money for Dr. Eichler. He's got a lab um, where he's doing research, really vitally important and potentially life-saving research in um, around adrenal leukodystrophy and, and different dystrophies. Um, and uh, so yeah, so Again, beginning in 2020 is when we really started fundraising. Actually, we were going to do like an in-person event in March, which ironically enough, that's that got canceled. And part of my running all the streets in Grafton corresponded with that. So that was summer of 2020. That's what really kicked off the fundraising aspect of it. I was utilizing that 
challenge to try to bring some awareness and and raise some money um, for for Dr. Eichler. And same with the four by four by forty eight that I did. Um, so yeah, that's how that started. So all the money that we raise goes it goes directly through Mass General Hospitals um, donation site right to his lab every dollar, and it's all tax deductible for folks that donate. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'll have, I have the, the link to that. So I'll include that in the show notes. Great. Yeah. And obviously you're raising this for, you know, the Boston marathon. So, yeah. um, now how did you, how, how does it work for qualifying for Boston? Do you like qualify or is it like a fundraising? I know there's like a couple of ways you can get into that. That's a great question. Yeah, so there's two ways to get a bib for Boston to be able to participate in the Boston Marathon. The first is qualifying. Uh, you have to meet, obviously, a certain time threshold. Uh, and then it's a bit of a lottery system because even if you meet that qualifying threshold, oftentimes you have to be minutes below it because so many people have met it. Um, that's not really a thing for me. It was at one point, I had big dreams back in 2017, 18. I was sort of training towards towards qualifying. I was doing a lot more um, specific sort of speed work and, and all kinds of different running things to try to get myself ready to qualify. But um, I ended up with a knee injury as a, as a, excuse me, as a result of that. Uh, that required knee surgery uh, in late 2018, in November 2018. I uh, had knee surgery. Uh, so that sort of put that by the wayside. Uh, so how I ended that, that, so the first way is, is qualifying. The second way to get a bid for Boston is through a charity. So the Boston Marathon has a number of different um, charities that they, that they partner with. Um, you know, Boston Children's Hospital, Mass General Hospital has, um, you know, marathon teams. Um, you know, Tom Brady, the TB12 Foundation has a team. Um, there's a, there's a bunch of different teams. And so to get a bid that way, you, you apply to the team and if they accept you under the team, you have to commit to a, to a fundraising goal. And I think the minimum now is 8,000, but most teams, the minimum is 10,000. Uh, and the first thing that they do when you, when they accept you under the team and you agree to be part of the team is they take your credit card information. And so if you don't hit that minimum threshold, that minimum goal, uh, Dollar-wise, they take it right off your credit card. Uh, yeah, you're responsible for it. So I, um, I actually was, um, I applied to both Boston Children's and Mass General's teams, um, and I was actually accepted on both. However, um, I was like, I wonder if I could, I wonder if I have any sort of connection out there, you know, use social media for good. And so one day I put a post out there and I said, you know. Big favor. I know it's probably a long shot. Does anyone have a connection? You know, trying to do this thing for Braden, uh, trying to raise money for Dr. Eichler. Um, you know, raising money for for children. You know, Braden actually sees doctors both at Boston Children's and at Mass General, but their fundraising teams, the money goes to very specific shit. You know, very specific endeavors. So you can't say I want to run for Mass General and have all the money go to Dr. Eichler. Mm -hmm. I can run for Mass General, but the money will go to whatever they're. Yeah, they decide. Mm -hmm. They decide, yeah. which is great. I mean, the charities are all great. Yeah, uh, right. You no, know, 
but we wanted to do something a little more targeted because this thing is is so specific to our family um and so i, I threw that out there on facebook and i heard back um from a, a, a dad of a, uh, of a boy in town who I coached. He's not a boy anymore. He's, you know, he's a 15 year old young, young man, maybe even 16 now, but um, named his, the dad's name is Eric Slaney. And he got back to me and he said, I think I might be able to help you. Um, let me, let me see what I can do. And so he connected me with another, another woman named Courtney Alyssa. She said, I think I can help. And sure enough, she she connected me with this um, this woman who shall remain anonymous. Um, she this woman is um, is a wealthy um, businesswoman who um, has connections to the different charities. And so what she does is she actually will provide her runners with bids, and she'll actually write the checks to the charity to cover whatever their minimum is. So, for example, I'm on Boston, the Boston Children's running team or charity team. She wrote the check for whatever the minimum amount is, 8000 10000 She takes care of that on the back end so I can run and raise money. So I can run in Boston, but also raise money for um, our specific charity, which happens to be Dr. Eichler. Um, so it's really incredible. It was like a godsend. Uh, that I was able, I didn't, I didn't think it was a shot in the world of, of getting this. Um, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> it is. And so I originally got it back in April for the April, like I said, April of 2020, when they have like 35,000 runners, I don't know how many qualifiers on the charities, but this year there's only I think 21,000. So I didn't, so I didn't think I'd get it. I didn't think I would get a bid for this one because, you know, it's almost, it's like half the runners. And so I thought this is even more of a long shot, but she kept me on her list. And, and when I got that email saying, I've got a big, you know, we've got a big for you. Um, it was incredible. Wow. Man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So like I said, you know, just to sort of paint the timeline picture early 2020, we started fundraising. Now we're about 18 months later, we raised about $50,000 in that time um, through the different running events that I've done. Um, the different awareness that my wife has raised online. Um, and so what's a little bit different this time is my running buddy, who I uh, mentioned before, my really great friend, um, his name is Augie again, from Mello. Uh, I've been sort of had the marathon bug in his ear for years. Um, he, he and I will do long runs every Saturday. Uh, at that point, I think prior to committing to doing a marathon, he was doing like, I think he, he could easily knock off 12, 13 miles on a Saturday. I think getting over like the 50 mile mark was, was psychologically challenging for him. Uh, but one day he said, I wanna, I wanna do a marathon and I'd like to fundraise. I'd like to raise money for Dr. Eichler, like be part of your team. And at that point, I mean, we, he is our team. We don't, other than, my wife and I, you know, and our family, we don't really have a team. I mean, we have a village of people who donate and help spread the word, yeah. but we don't have an active participant with a fundraising page who's going out there saying, hey, I'm doing this thing for this other thing, please donate. And so he was the first one outside of our immediate family who, who, who did that. Um, and it was all his idea. Um, like I said, I, 
I have had the marathon bug in his ear. I mean, this goes way, be way before any of this fundraising stuff. Um, so I just think he thought now is the time, you know, he's healthy, he can do the miles. Um, I think COVID played into a little bit, you know, he used to commute into Boston every day for work. Um, you know, I think now having less commute time and that sort of thing allows for um, just a little bit more time to, to train and that sort of thing. Less stressful, I guess, maybe the way to put it for him. Um, so yeah, so he has raised, I think he is, I haven't checked it today, but as of yesterday, he was over 12,000, wow. which is incredible. Yeah. So now our total raised is 62, almost 63,000. Wow. Which is, I mean, in 18 months, it's really, it's just, it's incredible. It is. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's really interesting is going back to like the whole marathon charity you know joining the team and i remember thinking ten thousand is super intimidating you know 18 months later we're at sixty-two thousand. i mean <laughs> it's just i i just i think it speaks more to sort of our community of you know our our families and our friends and our co-workers you know so many people have stepped up and so many people have you know reached out to us with not only you know financial support through the fundraising, but also just you know emotional support. I mean, all the messages we get, and um, it's really incredibly uplifting for us. Um, you know, it's you, you go from feeling like I go back to Brain's diagnosis and how we felt so very alone that day, like just you know just my wife and I with the news on the couch, to where we are now, where we are part of this bigger ALD community. We made so many connections with families and, and with doctors and, and now we're contributing. So again, going from what I call sitting on our hands, like feeling like all we were doing is sitting on our hands, like kind of not woe is me so much, it's just not really, you know, engaged. And now we're so engaged and and we're giving back, which I think is the most important thing, and raising the awareness. I mean, that's exactly. The... Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's amazing how far you come going from that low point, and now you have this huge supportive community around you. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Augie's going to run his. He's doing the Newport Rhode Island Marathon tomorrow. So as we record this, he's going to do his um, October 10th, which is tomorrow. And then yeah, uh, Boston. Monday for me. Yep. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So that's going to be his first marathon then? It is yeah. his first marathon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So as part of the training cycle, he and I together, I he ran two 20-mile runs. So um, as part of that, a couple 18s, uh, 16. So he's done quite a bit of mileage. Um, I always call those last for him it'll be you know 6.2 is the last sort of mystery mile you know? <laughs> right, yeah. but I always hear that for the training the a lot of the people that train they go up to like 20 miles and then they're fine with the marathon so yeah yeah you yeah. don't have to like train like to go to the full 26 you know <laughs> yeah I don't think I don't think you want to do that that that's a whole other that's a whole other thing but yeah yeah, I guess what the one thing you just never really know how your body's going to react. Just you know, because um, 
from 20 to 26 is a, is a pretty, it doesn't seem like much, but it's a pretty big leap because at that point you've been on your feet, you know, and your body is, is going through some, you know, some internal shock, you know, it's trying to figure out where it's going to get, mm-hmm. you know, nutrition and, you know, what's going on here, you know, and so I'm speaking from experience. I know that I've had, you know, I've had a couple of marathons where I've been walking the last couple of miles some you know it's just if you go out too quick if you don't fuel properly during the run if you don't hydrate properly during the run there's all these different things that can happen plus if you know weather is a factor Mm -hmm. yeah so it's 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 challenging i mean it's definitely definitely challenging um so yeah so i i we're going to go down to newport tomorrow my wife and i and, and his wife and a couple other friends are going to go down and root him on tomorrow. I can't wait. Can't wait to see him. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. 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 I'm so happy about that. Yeah. That's actually just down the road from me. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm in Portsmouth now. So, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> but, um, Oh yeah, like normally the the Boston Marathon's in April. You never know what kind of um, <laughs> crap weather you're gonna get, but it looks like it's gonna. I think this is like the perfect time to run, so it actually kind of works out. So it looks like you might have some good weather on Monday. So it does look good. It's been touch and go the last few days. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I actually don't mind the rain. The rain for me was more about not wanting my my wife and kids to have to stand around in the rain right. yeah. <laughs> waiting for me, but. Um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be good. It looks like it's going to be good. I don't think there's really anything to complain about with the weather that's going to happen. It's like you said, it's probably going to be the ideal weather situation and the ideal time to run. Um, we were in Boston today, actually. We went in to get my bib and went to the expo, and that was that was pretty exciting. Um, again, it's like incrementally I'm realizing, okay, this thing that I've been dreaming about for 20 years has actually happened. You know, what's what's also kind of interesting too is um, I made a little video the other day on Facebook and I mentioned this that so many people are asking me if I'm nervous and nervous. Like, what do you? I'm actually not super nervous. I mean, I'm when I talk about you know 26 miles, you know, obviously I get a little bit nervous, but my primary thinking is more excitement and like bewilderment that I'm actually going to be able to, to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really hard to believe that it's it's finally going to be a reality for me. Um, and so part of that was, you know, my wife and I went into Boston this morning to get my bib and just being able to walk around the finish line area, you know, going to Heinz to go get my bib, get, you know, uh, sign the wall. They've got a wall there that you can sign. I threw up the, the Beef Bites ALD hashtag on the wall. Um, it's just been really, really great. I mean, I feel really fortunate to be able to not only do this, but to do it and be raising awareness for, for ALD, which is really the primary, primary goal. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah double. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's probably, it's going to feel surreal. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I had mentioned to you before, maybe, um, you can come back on after the marathon. Tell us about your experience running that. That should be interesting. I would be happy to do that. I'm a little nervous to commit to it, though. What if uh, What if I bonk? Oh, that's uh, okay. <laughs> Wait, I just... Uh, <laughs> I just recorded... I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
I was gonna say I recorded an episode about uh, me um breaking my arms doing a race. So, yeah, so anything goes here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true. Yeah. No, I'd be happy to come back on and talk about um, the experience. Yeah, I'd love. And then, um, do you have contact information where um you know people can um you know donate to check out the charity and everything? Do you have any websites or anything? We do. Um... If you don't know them off the top of your head, I can um I can look them up. I can put them in the show notes. But if you have anything easy that people can look up or anything, yeah, I think if uh if you put in our the hashtag that we use is um hashtag B is in Braden fights ALD. So B fights ALD. Uh, that should bring up. I haven't tested that in a little while, but that should bring up the um, fundraising links. Okay. Uh, or or you just you know. My name's Chris Marino, Braden Marino, Mass General. That will probably bring it up too. Um, yeah, but I think if we if we can link to it in, the sh- in your show notes, like you said, Paul, that would probably be the best thing. Okay. Yeah, and I noticed that. Um, I happen to notice that you have like a tracker too, so people can <laughs> follow you along. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> it's gonna be so awesome. What an experience. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Are you gonna be tracking me? Yes. Yep. Yep. If I didn't have this, <laughs> if I didn't have the screwed up arm, I probably would have went. <laughs> that's yeah, like a long drive for me. You drive with one arm, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, uh, that's what uh, you know. You can do it remotely. It's, I've tracked people actually from Florida a couple years ago. We were on vacation in Florida, and I was tracking a good friend of ours in town. Um, we were we were getting ready to go on like of all things a, a cruise ship, and I remember I had the app going. I was like watching them. <laughs> Boston Marathon on the app. It's it's pretty cool actually to be able to track people that way remotely. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technology this, these days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's good. Sometimes sure. it's bad. This is a good thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll start to wrap this up. All right. So um, we have Chris's information, and then you can find me at um, um the Road Runner. That's R H O D E. I'm like on all the socials. Um. Instagram. I don't go on Twitter that much, but and then um, we got the Facebook page, and uh, the website is theroadrunnerjourney.com, and then we'll have um, links to the show notes on there, and also the Patreon page, um, Patreon.com/slash/theroadrunner. So I'll have all the information there. And again, best of luck to you, Chris. <laughs> We're all rooting for you. Get the word out about um, ALD charity. So, thank you very much, Paul. Thanks for having me on, and I, I really do appreciate the opportunity to any opportunity to share the story, and, and especially with you, have, not having spoken really with you in twenty years. It's it's nice to be able to talk to you again and yeah. share yeah. the story with you. So, thank you for, for having me.